You can pray until you faint. But if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Because if you are born in America with a black face, you are born in the mess. Uhuru, I'm Soliana Bikel. And I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. Ahuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. On Monday, October 24, 2022, the United States' so-called Justice Department issued a media advisory that they would be holding an emergency press conference that afternoon regarding what they called a, quote, significant national security matter, in which U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland would discuss, quote, malign influence schemes and alleged criminal activity perpetrated by a nation-state actor in the United States. At the press conference, Garland announced that their target was the People's Republic of China. The DOJ accused China of breaking U.S. laws in efforts to challenge U.S. power on the world stage. The Attorney General accused several Chinese nationals of spying on behalf of Beijing and seeking to disrupt a U.S. government investigation into the Chinese technology company Huawei in New Jersey. The FBI charged two Chinese nationals with conspiring to act as illegal agents on behalf of China by using a, quote, purported academic center in that country to seek sensitive information from U.S. academic institutions, end quote, thus criminalizing working relationships between universities in the U.S. and China. These indictments come on the heels of FBI raids targeting African and Puerto Rican organizers in the U.S., who are accused of acting as illegal foreign agents on behalf of Russia and of Cuba. On July 29, 2022, assault rifle-toting FBI agents raided seven offices and homes of leaders of the Uhur movement in St. Louis, Missouri and St. Petersburg, Florida, using flashbang grenades, drones, powered battering rams, and armored vehicles. They took phones, computers, hard drives, and financial records, claiming that the Uhuru movement was acting as a pawn of the Russian government by running candidates for local office on a reparations platform and by gathering signatures on a petition charging the U.S. government with genocide under international law. From August 23rd to the 26th of 2022, FBI agents visited or called nearly 60 people across Puerto Rico who had joined or supported the July Juan Rios Rivera Solidarity Brigade to Cuba. Agents claim to be investigating the breaking of an unnamed federal law or Cuban security infiltration. Two pro-Cuba activists in the U.S. were also contacted by the FBI asking about the Puerto Rican Brigade. On today's show, we bring you excerpts from a Sunday, October 30th panel discussion with African and indigenous activists representing liberation movements in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Haiti, and the continent of Africa. Responding to this current wave of aggression by the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation targeting anti-colonial struggles. The panel discussion was broadcast live on the Burning Spirit TV's YouTube channel as a featured topic for the weekly Omali Taught Me study series. Presenters included Benjamin Prado, Undersecretary General of Union del Barrio, participating from its headquarters in San Diego. Dahoud Andre, organizer with Comacoda, the Committee to Mobilize Against Dictatorship in Haiti, joining the panel from New York City. Ana Lopez, the Frente Independentista Boricua, also speaking from the New York City. Luisi Kinshasa, Secretary General of the African Socialist International, coming on from London, and Chairman Amalia Chotella of the African People's Socialist Party, on from St. Louis, Missouri. Chairman Omali began by exposing the hypocrisy of the FBI's declaration that these raids and indictments are intended to protect the integrity of U.S. elections from foreign interference. Although it may be under the radar for many people, there are hundreds of pieces of legislature uh, that's being either that's being promoted throughout the United States to prohibit or limit or the rights of African people to participate within the electoral process. One that black people died more than more than anybody. Black people, African people in this country died. Uh, leaders assassinated, children bombed, and things like that for the right to to participate. Uh, and and what we now find is that uh, we are being charged uh, in the African People's Socialist Party, that is say black people are being charged uh, with uh, working for Russians by trying to vote. Uh, 
uh, by participating in the election in 2017 and 2019 in this instance. So this is part of what it is that we're looking at. And so the United States government faced with this existential crisis, mob, uh, mobs uh, challenging the legitimacy of the United States uh, government itself, the election laws, white people doing this. There are no Africans who you see uh, uh, scaling the walls of the Capitol. Uh, there are no Africans who they, uh, uh, with the possible exception of Herschel Walker, uh, who are running around talking about how uh, the elections were illegitimate, although there's plenty of basis for that. When you can bomb churches and when you can do things like they're doing, uh, the state of Florida, uh, an outstanding example of, uh, of uh, undermining the right of people to vote, when you can pass laws uh, saying that uh, people can't even pass out water uh, to people standing in line to vote, clearly that's, a, that's an attempt to uh, block the voting rights of, of the people here, and that's not black people doing that. And, and uh, this is what we're looking at, but they protect the so-called democracy of the United States, then they attack the democratic rights of African and other colonized peoples. That was Chairman Omalia Shetela, leader of the Hur movement, who was targeted and had his home raided in a multi-city FBI attack on July 29, 2022. Benjamin Prado of Unión del Barrio, a Mexican liberation organization based in the southwestern United States, also known as Occupy Mexico, joined Chairman Omalia Chatella in denouncing the denial of indigenous or Mexican people to participate in the U.S. electoral arena. The United States has no moral authority to talk about democracy when here in this country, right, our peoples are held in detention centers, uh, we characterize as concentration camps uh, for the purpose of profit, right? When we talk about uh, working people uh, from our communities being detained in arbitrary uh, detentions in all forms of, of uh, persecution by immigration authorities, uh, detaining indigenous peoples that have been here for millennia, uh, and yet uh, we are held in these detention centers uh, for profit, held under ransom, uh, thousands of dollars in order to get out, right? And when we're talking about a population uh, more than 12 million people who have no access to even uh, go to a ballot box, right? We're not duped by any of their propaganda around democracy in this country because we've never experienced democracy in this country because the, the, the elections are completely bought, right? Whoever, whatever corporate sponsor wants to put money into campaigns uh, is usually the ones that come out uh, winning. And we have the choice of Democrats and Republicans do not represent our interests as working class people. And so we have to build our own capacity to uh, have power in our own hands. And that's the task, not only today, and it's been the task for a long time, is that we need our own political representation, right? Because what happened in LA a couple weeks ago with the unmasking of the, uh, the same white power colonial uh, sentiments that many of these Hispanic or so-called Latino leaders uh, are expressing the same type of colonial uh, uh, hostility towards not only our African comrades, but it, it's the reflection, right, of the, of the colonial mentality that, that, that they uh, continue to promote, right? Uh, uh, being funded by developers, being funded by all kinds of uh, different corporate sponsors to gain privilege and to gain uh, uh, some kind of economic self-interest uh, that, that they themselves promote. That was Benjamin Prado of Unión del Barrio. Ana Lopez with the Frente Independentista Boricua shared the experience of the Puerto Rican independence movement with FBI surveillance and harassment. The Puerto Rican people have been fighting against the injustices uh, of the United States uh, since its uh, illegal occupation uh, since 1898. Now, I just want to say in terms of this FBI, we have experienced FBI repression since the 1930s uh, when the nationalist movement uh, became uh, an, an alternative for the Puerto Rican people. When the nationalist movement was led by Don Pedro Alviso Campo, which is one of our national heroes and leaders, we call him El Maestro, the teacher, because he really taught us how to fight 
U.S. imperialism. And um, one of the things that, um, that Don Pedro also uh, provided us was uh, the utilization of political principles of how to fight uh, you know, the repression of the FBI and the U.S. government. And he created the political principle of retraimiento. Retraimiento meant that you do not collaborate, you do not cooperate with any of the institutions of the United States in Puerto Rico or any of the orders. And that was a way to resist that type of um, abuse. And the first person to utilize the retraimiento was Juan Antonio Correger. He was the secretary general of the Nationalist Party. He was subpoenaed by the FBI to provide the list of all the names of the members of the Nationalist Party. And Juan Antonio Correger said, no man, I'm not gonna do this. You know, I have integrity, these are my comrades. I'm not gonna reveal who they are because they knew that the reason they wanted the names because they were gonna get incarcerated. So he refused to collaborate. And for that, Juan Antonio Correjel was imprisoned and sent, he was held uh, in contempt of court. And he was sent to prison in Atlanta, Georgia. But standing uh, against the FBI uh, was the way to follow. So they used the same thing, retraimiento, when they were drafting Puerto Rican people to go to war. Uh, if they, and one of the things we said, you do not speak to the FBI. You don't even give them the opportunity to say a word. I'm not going to open the door. I'm not going to speak to you. I want you out of my face. And also, you know, you can say, go to hell. We don't want you here. So that, that practice of understanding that all the institutions and the FBI was part and parcel of US colonialism. They're, they're not your friends. Um, so the United States, since the 1930s, uh, developed this surveillance system against all people who wanted in the independence of Puerto Rico. We call it el carpeteo. So they nationalized it. And since the 1930s, US has invested millions of dollars to surveil every member of, uh, of, of progressive organizations in Puerto Rico who believe and fight for independence. And, and those uh, art, um, archives uh, and those uh, files um, have been released and, and people were able to read that and so forth. And that, they were released in the 1990s. Uh, and we have yeah. it in, uh, some of them are in the Center for Puerto Rican Studies in CUNY in New York. So people can go and look at them. And you could see even how they try to pin people against each other. They, they, all the tricks that they utilize uh, to harass and also uh, pin people against each other. So it's really interesting, all the different strategies that they use to dismantle the Puerto Rican independence movement. But another thing that they did, they also implemented in Puerto Rico, uh, similar to the Smith Act that was used here in the United States against the Communist Party. They, it was called the Ley de la Mordaza, the gag law. From uh, 1947 to 1957, uh, the law made it illegal for anyone to speak about independence and illegal to have this flag that you see behind me. So anyone who had the Puerto Rican flag or spoke about independence would be incarcerated and uh, with a 10 year sentence. So in terms of this FBI uh, repression, which has been constant since the 1930s, the Puerto Rican people's solidarity with peoples all around the world. We have fought in every war possible. Um, they, for 30 years in Puerto Rico, under the leadership of Milagros Rivera uh, Perez, she takes a brigades of people to Cuba. And this year, um, when they returned back from Cuba, 62 members of her group were uh, visited, called, visited, and harassed by the FBI. And this is what we see as an intent to criminalize solidarity. And, and we're opposed to it and we denounce it. And I think that was something that came out on Friday that we were all in agreement that we have to denounce the United States attempts to criminalize the solidarity that we can offer other countries and what other countries can offer us, that we cannot allow that to take place.
That was Ana Lopez with the Frente Independentista Boricua. You are listening to Black Power Talks produced by WBPU Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. On today's show, we bring you excerpts from a Sunday, October 30th panel discussion with African and indigenous activists representing liberation movements in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Haiti, and the continent of Africa. Responding to this current wave of aggression by the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation targeting anti-colonial struggles. Presenters in the October 30th panel agreed that the growing FBI raids and indictments against those who would criticize the U.S. and its colonial mode of production comes as a result of crisis and weakness. Chairman O'Malley reflected on the October 24th press conference announcing the U.S. indictments against China. It was an extraordinary press conference, especially given uh, the kind of attention uh, given uh, to the press conference uh, before it was held, notifying the media and anybody who would be paying attention to these kinds of alerts that this press conference was occurring. It promised to be a dramatic occurrence that would be uh, revelatory in terms of what it would expose about attempts by a foreign uh, government to interfere in the elections and the, uh, the uh, pristine democratic process of the United States uh, government with its institutions and things like that. Instead, what it turned out to be was an instance of public uh, self-aggrandizement uh, by the intelligence uh, organizations of this country, uh, that is to say the United States, And uh, it uh, clearly uh, was a part of a process that has been uh, developed to create a narrative and deepen a narrative that would uh, threaten uh, all the people in this country, in the United States in particular. Although we've seen this uh, something that's extended to Africa and uh, obviously to Puerto Rico, this notion that there are these powerful foreign governments that are involved in stealing the freedoms and resources of the decent, uh, law-abiding, justice-loving people of the United States. That's the kind of narrative that has been created. Uh, But the thing is to be able to uh, obscure the anti-democratic power of the United States and and the colonialism uh, by characterizing this war that they're making against colonized people, oppressed people, who living in concentration camps are commonly referred to as Indian reservations and and barrios and and prisons and ghettos uh, of the United States. They want to obscure the fact that there is no democracy for us. And they would characterize what they're doing to us as a fight to save democracy, to protect democracy. So the war that's being made against the colonizers is being put forth in that fashion. And similarly, Uh, What has been recognized by some historians for a long period of time is that uh, imperialists have defined uh, critical uh, need uh, for imperial power to control Africa, uh, to control Europe, and to control South America. And right now, the United States government is involved uh, in an existential crisis. Uh, Part of this crisis is domestic, and everybody is experiencing, and there are two Uh, uh, sectors, contending forces inside the United States domestically who are fighting either to preserve their power or to to achieve power. And that was something that was made manifest uh, sharply on January 6th when mobs of white people attacked the electoral process in this country by uh, invading the Capitol, actually defecating uh, on the floors of the, of the Capitol, chasing the vice president of the United States through the hall, threatening and calling vocally, verbally calling to, to hang him. This is one expression of it. Sectors of the white people who are afraid of what they characterize as Trump and is bigger than Trump. I would remind people that 57% of the white people in the last two presidential elections voted for Trump. Uh, So it's not Trump. If there is something that's happening in this country, there's colonial uh, consciousness that exists within the colonized population uh, uh, recognition, if not uh, at the top of their cognition, uh, that uh, everything that uh, that they enjoy uh, comes as a consequence of taking it from uh, colonizing oppressed peoples around the world. So you've got all of these people uh, in a state of hysteria. 
And then you've got the raising up the specter of the Russians and the Chinese. And of course, uh, in this instance where the United States is engaged in, in war against Russia, using Ukraine as the vessel for that, where they pumped in billions of dollars uh, to carry out that war, and where there's an ongoing ideological and political uh, uh, barrage uh, that's being directed at everybody in the world who will listen to it against Russia, and then China uh, being such a force as well. Both of these are forces in the international arena who are contending with the power of a decrepit, uh, dying world order. And that's what we're looking at. And then, of course, there's Africa that's central to much of what it is we're looking at. China uh, contesting U.S. influence and in, in Western Europe and influence in Africa, Russia in Africa uh, now. Uh, that makes it necessary for the first time in the 246-year history of the, of the uh, Marine Corps that they would make a, an African a four-star general and put him over the Africa Command, which is, has the responsibility of uh, securing and maintaining control of Africa by the United States, uh, protecting Africa from Africans inside of Africa, from Africans generally, and also protecting the interests of the colonizers from China and Russia. That's part of what we're looking at. That's part of what uh, is raising these contradictions and, and, and China becoming such an extraordinary economic force uh, that challenges the uh, United States and Africa, that challenges the United States and Asia that has even intruded in a very serious way into the economic arena of the United States and, and the rest of Europe uh, represent a fundamental and existential crisis. And the United States' this great uh, beacon of democratic rights as it puts itself forth uh, cannot come out and say, we can't compete uh, with China. We can't compete on, a, on a, a level playing field with China. Therefore, we're going to criminalize all the economic activity that China's involved in, stuff that we do, that is to say the United States, on a regular basis in any country in the world that it wants to, we're criminalizing it. We're criminalizing the activity of Russia. We're criminalizing the activity of black people who are fighting against uh, oppression. And this is, they've thrown this together and they've, they've put this, uh, this press conference was a part of a whole strategic uh, narrative that has been created to justify attacks uh, on oppressed and colonized people in the name of uh, protecting the American, in quotes, public uh, from powerful foreign influences of Russia and China, who are continuously, constantly demonized uh, virtually uh, every time you open up your laptop or go uh, to a TV or something to that effect, that's what you're going to see from these honest uh, so-called pundits uh, coming from the United States. That was Chairman Omalia Chatella of the African People's Socialist Party. Benjamin Prado of Union del Barrio explained the failed bid by the U.S. to isolate Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua from the rest of Latin America as another example of colonial capitalism's desperate moves to hold onto its place as chief world hegemon. It's important for us, you know, as a Mexican liberation movement, you know, to tear the mask off of this so-called uh, farce that is the uh, U.S. colonial system, right? Uh, from our perspective, you know, we, we the impacts of not only FBI raids, you know, immigration raids, you know, colonial state raids on our people is nothing new. And if we put that in the context of, and the backdrop of what we're living today, uh, I think as Chairman Mali just summed up, you know, the system is in profound crisis. It's cornered. It's like a, a dog that's cornered and it's weakened. And it becomes very dangerous when a empire is actually in a position of weakness. And, and it's reflected, right? It's reflected. That weakness is reflected reflected and its influence is reflected on the fact that uh, peoples the world over have recognized the anti-democratic character and nature of U.S. imperialism. Uh, if we talk about uh, the this continent, right, Nuestra America, as we refer it, or as we uh, have, have engaged with our comrades in the South, uh, just this year, in June uh, of this year, the Organization of American States, this instrument of U.S. imperialism throughout this continent, attempted to bring together the heads of state here in the United States, in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles, right? And the, all the, uh, it was a, a, a 
consensus that nobody's going to attend the Summit of the Americas if everybody is not invited, specifically citing uh, Cuba and Venezuela and Nicaragua, who were excluded from this uh, uh, Summit of the Americas. Uh, even though we recognize, right, that the organization of American states as an instrument of U.S. imperialism, as an instrument to impose the Monroe Doctrine, a doctrine of, uh, of settler colonialism, uh, the same uh, doctrines that uh, invaded our lands through the concepts of manifest destiny and white power, uh, we know that that, that instrument of uh, the organization of American states, uh, in fact, creates the conditions for military coups to take place throughout this hemisphere. Uh, the example of Bolivia just uh, in 2019, right? Uh, where uh, the United States decided to send its mercenaries and overturn the democratic elected president in Evo Morales. Why? Because he refused to give up the natural resources of Bolivia uh, because they, are nationalizing uh, those resources in the, in the interest of building socialism in Bolivia, to provide those resources to ensure housing, education, uh, science and culture benefit the Bolivians. The Summit of the Americas, you know, it, it exposed the, the wrestling away of the influence of U.S. imperialism in the face of a shifting world economy, right? A shifting world where now we have China and Russia that are superpowers, even though the Department of Justice wants to say something along the lines that are attempting to or seeking to become global powers. Uh, and that's also indicative that they do not recognize the world in which we live in today, where they are superpowers, where there are other nations with much larger populations than the United States. And I think that that's also important when we talk about representative, representative so-called representative democracy or bourgeois democracy, you know, when we talk about uh, levels of population, the United States only represents 4% of the world's population, and yet China represents uh, much more, right? Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, something uh, like uh, almost uh, uh, one quarter of the world's population, if not more. And so I think that those things are, are, are really significant uh, to highlight uh, because the United States no longer has is the singular global power that it once was as a, uh, through its vicious, hostile invasions, wars, and occupations that it's done around the world. And how does it attempt to get out of this situation? By invasion, war, and occupation like it did right after World War, World war II, right? So we recognize that, and we see that this uh, reconfiguration of the world into a multi- polar multi-spheres of influence is the only thing that can bring some kind of equilibrium to this world because the United States as a, as a global superpower uh, uh, is not only weakening, but it becomes that much more dangerous in, the, in its drive to recapture that world domination, right? And uh, we, we've seen it not only in terms of coups that, that it's waged against the people of Nuestra America, but also the intensification of war and conflict in other parts of the world, whether it be Ukraine, right? Whether it be other small proxy wars that it's, that it's carrying out throughout the African continent, throughout this continent, it's wanting to invade and occupy Haiti as a, a way to create and manufacture this uh, economy around, around war making. And that's the only way in which it continues and attempts to continue to maintain its, its stranglehold internationally. That was Benjamin Prado of Union de Barrio. Louise Kinshasa, Secretary General of the African Socialist International, was born in the Congo and joined the discussion from London, where he is currently based. The prestige of the United States, just as much as the prestige of, uh, of the French, of uh, the British, uh, William Glasses, it's going down. And Africans can see it. Africans are debating about it. For many years, Africans will refer to regimes like in Paris, like democracy, United States democracy, and the UK. But now they're defining those places in terms of the crisis they see. 
the crisis they're experiencing, the crisis the whole world can see. So it can't escape to anybody else that the crisis of the United States, the crisis of Britain, the crisis of France, the crisis of white power is an international crisis. It's being witnessed by oppressed people around the world. They have seen the U.S. losing in Afghanistan. They have seen the U.S. losing in Syria, in Iraq. People are really clear on uh, those manifestations they are losing because the growing struggles, the growing resistance, as we have seen in Palestine, as we have seen in Ferguson, as we have seen in Mali and all those places. So we are watching this and we are internalizing it. And uh, we have seen the uh, reaction of the French ruling classes regarding basically the response of Africans to what's happening, uh, not just in France, but what's happening in Ukraine, just the same thing to what's happening uh, in the US. Harassment is the order of the day. Africans are being banned from coming to France. I know at least two organizers uh, who are prevented, despite having European passport allows them to come to France, but they can't come to France. Africans for having the visa uh, being cancelled, despite being given the visa. So this is all part of uh, the crisis of uh, imperialism. And we have seen the US government passing a law. I think the law has passed the uh, the Senate, I think. I have uh, the copy here uh, in front uh, of me. In response to what is perceived as the Africans' support for Russia. The United States rulers basically have passed a law in um, the U.S. House of uh, Representatives. They passed what they call as the Countering Malign Russian Activities in Africa Act on the 27th of April by a huge bipartisan 419 against nine majority, basically. Uh, the act is awaiting the approval of the Senate, after which U.S. President Joe Biden will sign it into law. And uh, the Africans basically are the, saying they will not uh, join the U.S. in Ukraine. They see it as something happening between the United States uh, and uh, and Russia, and they don't have to take side. They, they, they give themselves the right to be neutral. But for the United States to be neutral, to be non-aligned, it means you're supporting Russia. And uh, therefore, that's why they are passing these laws. And uh, you have a lot of people, particularly young people, on the street of Africa having spontaneous demonstration in support of Russia. Uh, if you if you Google on the internet, you you know support for Mali, support for Russia in Mali, support for Russia in Burkina Faso, you will see many pictures for young people in different places with you know waving the Russian flag. This basically uh, is reality. And uh, France is losing. And France is uh, an important ally of the United States because we should not just see the United States as uh, a force by itself. The United States is uh, the leader of NATO, and NATO includes France, Germany, uh, all the uh, white power nations. And um, a weakening of France, definitely, is a, is a challenge for the existing uh, Atlantis order for the existing colonial power, not just in Africa, but in the world. So France is losing. France has lost in Central Africa Republic. France has lost in Mali, where the ambassador was expelled. Uh, it was given 72 hours to leave Mali. That's back in February. Uh, it was this unheard of. And uh, France has been in Mali as um, a force uh, allegedly to fight against terrorists. They went there in 2013. And uh, by 2014, that operation changed, uh, became broader. Uh, it changed even the name from Operation Selva. It became, it became Operation uh, Barkin. And uh, with at least 5,000 uh, troops. But throughout the years, Africans have learned that France is not there to fight terrorism. On the contrary, Terrorism works in favor of France. So people have been demanding for France to go. And uh, there was uh, a, a coup. Uh, young army officers took power. And uh, the mobilization of the people uh, united with the, uh, these uh, young officers in the army 
they demanded to end cooperation with France, and they preferred the new partnership with, with Russia. And that partnership now is in place. And uh, guess what? Next door is Burkina Faso. They said about, we have the same relationship with France, and it's the same terrorism they came to fight. Uh, we don't see any results. Terrorism still there, insecurities everywhere, and they also decided to end the relationship uh, with France. It has not reached the same, uh, I would say, uh, level as Mali, but France is on its way out. And this is a major crisis for Africans around the world to understand that the struggle against colonialism is happening, it's getting deeper, and France is losing. And uh, the United States, one way or the other, may intervene because the uh, United States is already in Africa in a form of Africa. As Sheila Razor's report on the false narrative excusing the colonial military occupation of African countries in the name of anti-terrorism was echoed in the report from Dahoud Andre, organizer with Komakoda, the committee to mobilize against dictatorship in Haiti, who joined the panel from New York City. Andre debunked the current media narrative about a new crisis in Haiti and denounced the call for U.S. and U.N. intervention. When you hear, like, uh, the empire and its minions in the media talk about there's a crisis in Haiti, you know, you should laugh. <laughs> you should just smile at that because they didn't say there was a crisis like a few years back or a few months ago when uh, everything seemed calm when it was the asshole reality that, you know, the clown Donald Trump spoke of when, you know, the workers in the factories are getting like something like $3 a day when Haitians are dying in the waters trying to get somewhere else, you know, in the jungles, the Darien jungle in Panama trying to, find a better life for themselves and their their children in the Mona passage between Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, or I should say facing humiliation in the the Dominican Republic, in the Bahamas, or in the United States. You know, there's no crisis then. The crisis only comes about when our people are in the streets fighting back. You know, and so we said there's no crisis in Haiti. There is just the struggle of our people to fulfill the dream of our ancestors. So the empire, you know, they create, they have tools at their disposition and resources to further, for their, to achieve their aims. So they have a, a puppet government, you know, that they installed. They have uh, e, e, guns that they put in the hands of these kids, street kids, you know, that they call gangs. You see them e, high on all kinds of drugs, e, alcohol, and e, e, they, you know, they're wearing slippers. They they can't even get their sneakers, shoes on their feet. And they're holding these uh, machine guns worth thousands of dollars, you know, and looking very hungry. You understand? And and yet, you know, they are killing their brothers, their sisters, their family. They're kidnapping. They're doing all of this, you know. And uh, I want family to understand that this is a creation of the enemy. This is just another tool that the enemy is using to achieve its ends. You hear that there's this one who's really, really bad, who's holding the country hostage by taking the ports, the fuel terminals, and it's all a big joke because this is a little puppet of the United States. His name, Jimmy Chazier Barbecue, they call him the Federation of the Gangs, something that's called the G9 that supposedly he runs. That is something that uh, the United Nations encouraged. Uh, Helen Lalim, who is the uh, representative of the UN Secretary General Guterres in Haiti, 
encourage the Federation of Gangs because she said that would reduce crimes in the popular neighborhood. But of course, they encouraged the, for, the formation of the, gang, the Federation of Gangs just as they armed and financed them to terrorize the population, to keep the population out of the streets fighting for uh, our freedom. So uh, this is a little clown who is not able to take over the neighborhood that he's from because the people resist. He's not able to take over uh, the neighborhood of Bel Air because the people there are resisting. In Cité Soleil, they ended up a couple of months ago killing like the UN says 500 people, but we will never know because they don't, you know, it's like a roach or a fly who dies, you know, so we will never know. He couldn't take over Cité Soleil, but now they want you to believe that he's holding the country hostage and they have to have an intervention, a military intervention to stop him, to get rid of him. But it's a joke, you know? Because uh, what did they do? And it, certainly we oppose that. Uh, with, uh, uh, they wanted to get rid of General Soleimani uh, of Iran. They sent a drone, you know. And with this guy who has no passport, who has no bank account, he has no assets, as they call it, uh, in Haiti, we said he only has an asset, which is like a plate to eat his food on, but no assets, is they put sanctions, travel sanctions on someone without a passport, you know, economic sanctions on someone without a bank account, without, yeah. So they're, they're jokers, you understand? They, they, they are trying to you know, pretend something that is is just a bad joke. That was Daoud Andre, an organizer with Comacota, the Committee to Mobilize Against Dictatorship in Haiti. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Chairman O'Malley Eshetela has begun to popularize the concept of the colonial mode of production as the primary mode of production giving life to worldwide capitalism and imperialism. He argues that this contradiction is at the core of the conflicts leading to the escalation in FBI and government repression. Now, for the longest period of time, though we have not recognized and characterized it it in this fashion, uh, African people and others have been fighting against a colonial mode of production that the entire colonial system came into, it's what we characterize the capitalist system, came into existence as a consequence of colonialism. We have somebody uh, uh, on this discussion uh, who is from Haiti. Haiti uh, represented the first most serious threat to the uh, colonial system, to the capitalist system that has ever occurred. Uh, with the revolution that, uh, uh, that uh, was finalized more or less in, in, in 1804, uh, with the declaration by the Haitian uh, Revolution uh, that any enslaved person on the planet Earth, you get to Haiti, that you'll be free. Uh, where it was well known at the time that colonial slavery was the, was the central to the entire uh, uh, existing capitalist system, uh, if you will. Uh, this represented a profound and fundamental threat to the whole system and every force uh, that was connected to colonialism used its power to crush Haiti and that struggle has not yet ended. It continues even to this day. We live on a land uh, that you could not imagine a, capitalist in, a capitalism in existence uh, without the occupation of this territory that's called the United States, uh, that's called the United States of America. America, a white man's name. America, the name of a colonizer uh, that didn't take into consideration at all the interests of the indigenous people who were being uh, uh, annihilated uh, all around, uh, throughout this territory. Uh, and then, of course, uh, what has happened to Africa with the assault on Africa, uh, the dispersal of African people throughout the world, including the territory now known as Haiti, uh, including the United States and, and, and what have you, and all of what we now know as South America. This is the contradiction that we're looking at. The entire social system rests on this foundation, 
And even when we look at the existence of the 1917 Russian Revolution, we have to keep in mind what else was happening in the world that gave rise to the Russian Revolution. Uh, the fact is that it was the colonial struggles of the people that made it necessary, uh, that certainly complemented the need uh, by the imperialists to make this war uh, to redivide the world that they called uh, World War I. Uh, look at Garvey, who came, uh, whose movement started in 1914, a year of the, of, uh, the first imperialist world war. Uh, look at 1915, the invasion of Haiti uh, by the United States government, uh, the Marines, uh, who robbed Haiti of all of its treasure and what have you and carted it off uh, to, uh, to banks in New York. Uh, look at the fact that Haiti financed the building of the Eiffel Tower and, and the fact that there are white people who who uh, like to brag about being having cafe, uh, 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 sidewalk cafes in Paris, and the fact that it comes uh, from resources stolen from Haiti, from Africa, what have you. Look at the fact that uh, in this territory called the United States, the half of Mexico was just stolen relatively recent uh, by this country. This is a colonial mode of production. Uh, the colonial mode of production that made it necessary uh, uh, to do a whole bunch of stuff. So in 1966, uh, we saw a uh, tricontinental conference occur in Havana, Cuba, uh, where colonized people all around the world, more than 80 uh, some odd countries represented there, more than 300 delegates, uh, following up on Bandung conference in 1955 that happened in Indonesia. But this one happening in Havana and this one having a much more uh, dedicated and what some people characterize as radical uh, a connection that, that not only talked about uh, fighting against colonialism, but talked about revolution. 1966, this occurred. Che Guevara wasn't there in Havana because he was in Bolivia, but he sent a letter. Uh, 1967, Che would be killed. Uh, he would be first wounded. Uh, he would be captured and he would be murdered by U.S. assassins uh, uh, in Bolivia. Uh, and then you saw that this was with Che this was this magnificent movement that the Tricontinental Conference that created the OSPAL, uh, the, this organization of uh, solidarity with uh, peoples of uh, Africa, Asia, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Latin America. You saw uh, 1963, they overthrew Nkrumah. Uh, 1960, they had murdered uh, uh, Patrice Lumumba. Uh, 19, uh, 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 you just see this whole array of assassinations uh, governments being overturned and the anti-colonial struggle being murdered and attacked. And so the, the struggle against colonialism dropped off the radar. And what has happened instead is the battle for rights that for white people sometimes characterized as anti-communist or, or communist movement, leftist movement, et cetera, has obscured the fact that the entire system rested on the foundation of colonial domination of our peoples. And so that's part of what I want to say, and that's part of the significance of this facade this, that they had on October 24th for the Justice Department protecting the people of this country, the democratic rights and principles and institutions will attack the democratic rights of peoples uh, from China and living in this country and all around the world. Uh, they've all been thrown into the same bag uh, for the purpose of creating a climate uh, what makes it clear that the question that we're looking at is not a question of law as such, except colonial law, but it's a question of the capacity to, to, to with guns and to control people and to maintain the status quo. We are fighting against a mode of production that is parasitic that in its inception and that it came into existence through colonial slavery. And this colonialism initiated by Portugal some 600 years ago that was responsible for kidnapping and transferring Africans against our will throughout the world, followed uh, by, for the first time in history, a, a single uh, world economy that connected the world uh, as a precondition for the rise of what we've known as capitalism. And along with that, of course, uh, we uh, see that as a superstructure. The superstructure consists of things like legal institutions that finally included uh, the United Nations and NATO and entities like that, uh, that also uh, includes uh, the ideas and philosophy and idea ideology that has dominated the world uh, for the longest period of time subsequent to the advent of this system. The African People's Socialist Party uh, really believes that in the final analysis, uh, though we may use the United Nations as some kind of uh, institute 
institution uh, for, to make uh, political statements and things like that. The real unity is going to be such as that which was initiated in 1966 at the Tricontinental Conference. This is part of what it is we are trying to drive ourselves toward right now because we cannot fight these struggles as individual uh, organizations and as individual uh, from individual countries, that we are all a part of the pedestal upon which the entire uh, capitalist, colonial, colonial capitalist system uh, requires for its existence. It can't exist without that. And so uh, we cannot continue to simply fight on, on single fronts. And uh, so for that purpose, we think that the tricontinental uh, a conference in 1966 was the best example of what we have to accomplish. And the United States government and all the imperial powers recognized this as well. So that's why, you know, even shortly after it was founded, uh, came together in 1966, we saw murder assassinations of leaders uh, all around uh, the, uh, the world. Uh, in fact, Ben Barker, who was the person from, uh, uh, who was to have initiated this and uh, this conference, uh, and it was to be held uh, uh, in, in, in Algeria. Ben Barker from Morocco was kidnapped and killed, murdered by French agents. And we saw uh, during the same time frame of the 1960s, the assassinations of people like, uh, in, uh, like uh, uh, Lumumba and the, and the overthrow of Nkrumah. Uh, we saw uh, also the murder of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Ben Bella, uh, 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 from uh, uh, from uh, uh, Algeria, being uh, other uh, another of those, Che Guevara was murdered. Uh, this was a significant event in 1966. Amir Cabral was there. Uh, Allende uh, was there, who was also someone who uh, would be uh, assassinated. So this entire anti-colonial movement came under assault and uh, left in its place uh, anti-racist and anti. Uh, uh, white people don't like us kind of movements that didn't do anything to challenge the existing uh, order, uh, the, the, the world economy uh, that based on our in, uh, growing immiseration. We close today's program with the words of African Socialist International Secretary General Louise Kinshasa. We are winning. Uh, nobody has uh, respect uh, for white power anymore. You can see that everywhere from Turkey to China to Russia to Africa, of course, to, in St. Louis, Ferguson, all those places everywhere, in Haiti, uh, in Venezuela, in Bolivia, uh, everywhere. So Africans are part of these uh, re-emerging anti-colonial movements, and now we have to complete the job. Join us so the <clears throat> revolution can be done, Africa can be united, and the world can be free. Or You've been listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida, where we are not just explaining the world, but changing it. The voices you heard came from an October 30th, 2022 panel discussion held in response to FBI raids targeting China, Russia, and the African Liberation Movement, along with the anti-colonial struggles of the indigenous peoples of the Americas and the Puerto Rican Independence Movement. The panel discussion was broadcast and can be viewed on the Burning Spear TV channel on YouTube. You can pray until you faint.